How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. How are you? Excellent. I'm doing great. So I'm just going to briefly introduce myself. My name is Janelle Haynes, and I'm the owner of Just Be LLC. And today I have this awesome opportunity to present a podcast. And uh, I'm going to use Toastmaster as an opportunity to help me get started. And I thought about who should I interview first? And you immediately came to mind. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and so today I'm here with David Haley, who is the owner and operator of Countify. Right. So if you would, please tell me, what's your elevator speech? My elevator speech to introducing the business, right? Introducing yourself and the business. Introducing myself and the business, right. So sometimes it depends on who the audience is, okay. but mostly in a business setting where my goal is to further my business or get a client or get a potential customer or mentor or mentee. I say, hello, my name is David Haley. I run a computer vision and AI company called Countify, where we are the future of AI-based inventory management. Um, we, wherever you are currently manually counting items, we can replace that manual counting with technology. Okay. So we can, we are mainly in the airline space and the healthcare space and getting in the, the government space as well. Nice. So you're in the airline and Government space? Healthcare. Healthcare space. Okay, cool. I know, I think we were initially taught it was strictly airline. So what made you make the transition to the healthcare? Truthfully, it was COVID. Okay. So during 2019, 2020 was when we were fo really focused on airlines. And that is when no airlines were spending any money. Because right? nobody was traveling. Right, right, right. So right. nobody was traveling. Airlines were pretty much shut down. Yeah. We're in Atlanta. Delta had just laid off 17,000 people, mm -hmm. right? And so there were no, there, were, there was no airline business out there to be had. And so we knew our technology, it doesn't really matter what we count or what we take a picture of, as long as we can see it, we can count it. Okay. But because I came from the airline industry, I knew what specific problems they were dealing with. So I applied the computer vision issues and technology to the airlines because I knew that space. Gotcha. We were how we switched into or, or getting into the healthcare space was I had a friend at a, at a hospital and we were walking around. The, I just happened to be in North Carolina at the time and we were walking around his, his hospital and they he took me to a room where they had just performed the inventory. And there was about a half a million to a million dollars of inventory that they did not know they had. Mm -hmm. and they overlooked it. And so I was like, I think we can solve this problem. And so a couple months later, after contracting, everything went through we end up installing a camera in the storeroom. And so instead of somebody manually counting those items, our camera takes pictures three, four times a day. And now they have an accurate count with re remove all the human intervention, human interaction, human error. And now they have a, what we do is we give them a dashboard that shows here is exactly what the count is, the time, the date. We also see the movement, right? So we see, for example, if we see over from a trend perspective, if we, we see that in the last 30 days, item 405 has moved out of the storeroom 10 times right? mm -hmm. for example then there's no new no need for you to have 40 of these in inventory okay right and so what that does it, it allows them to reduce the inventory and to to based on actual usage what we see and so they were able to reduce the inventory by like 12 13 percent wow um they're also able to reduce their shipping costs a lot of times you go somewhere, we don't have the item, I have to rush, pay FedEx or pay UPS, rush to ship an item. So we'll have it the next day for a surgery. Mm -hmm. Those those <laughs> costs are reduced as well. So wow. long answer to your question, we got into healthcare kind of 
by happenstance and by COVID. <laughs> no, that's a great answer because I think you've told this story enough for people to know, you know, that those are the spaces you're in and why it was important for you to make that shift. But you said something that stood out not even really related to that. And it was friend. And so I just want to ask you a question. When you think about friends, who's your, who's in your starting lineup? Who are the people that are holding you accountable? It sounds like this person was an, was a friend, but also someone who you're like, you know, we can do something like we're pretty powerful together. Right. In the space that you're in, <clears throat> the space that I'm trying to go. Right. So I have friends. I think it's a difference between friends who are your friends, your day ones, mm-hmm. and who's like, holding you accountable mm-hmm. as well, right? Okay. So one of the reasons is I've been talking about having or starting a company for a long time. Okay. And actually one of my friends, you know him, Dominic, came to me and said, man, you've been talking about that forever. <laughs> right, it was literally, <laughs> say, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. He's like, man, you've been talking about that forever. Yeah. And so when I talk to companies now, I always say, tell your story as much as possible. Tell the people about what you're thinking about, what you're working on. Yeah. Because a lot of times we, especially from what I've seen, minority men and women mm-hmm. want to hold their hold their ideas to the to their chest. I ain't gonna tell nobody because somebody's gonna steal my idea. For sure. And what I tell people is nobody wants your funky ass idea. <laughs> That's Truly. A good point. Nobody wants your idea. Nobody wants right? Because how many people do you know like, man, I thought about Facebook before Facebook. Like it's not in the idea, it's in the actual execution. Like who can execute your idea? Yep. And then the more people you tell the more people shoot holes in it and say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Mm-hmm. Especially people that you are comfortable with, that really care about you, mm-hmm. that want to see you, see you succeed. And so I would say I tell as many people as possible about what I do, even in the very beginning, mm-hmm. because I know if I'm going to see that person in a week, in a month, in a year, they're going to ask me, so how's that business idea you're working on? And I feel bad if I'm like, man, I ain't doing nothing with that. Right. Like how many times have have you said that? (laughs) We've all said it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had this idea, but I didn't really work on it. And so what it caused me to do is, one, once you tell people. And so to answer your question, it's kind of hard because I have a lot of people that hold me accountable because I tell people about my company a lot. I try to. Um, And so doing doing that, it makes me. It makes me cognizant of. I need to make sure I'm pushing forward every day mm-hmm. because if I'm not holding myself accountable, I know that somebody else is going to ask me. And I don't want, I don't want, my ego is not going to allow me to be like, mm. man, you're not doing that with that. Like the, yeah. the same thing Dominic told me, no one has told me that anymore, right? Because I will not allow anyone to say That's that insane. I'm not doing anything with that. But I have a ton of people that um, my core group of friends, um, you know, it's four or five of us that are our core group of friends that we talk on a regular basis just about, Kind of not only business but personal stuff. Mm-hmm. I also have like mentors that I talk to on a on a formal and informal on a somewhat regular basis. That is just about like kind of what am I doing? How are we doing it from a business perspective? Um, we're working on building a board of directors now about people that really hold you accountable mm-hmm. from a business perspective and make sure you they're guiding you in the right direction. Cool, nice. So we're gonna switch gears just a little bit. Okay. What's a little known fact about you? No one in the world has ever known or you thought to even share. Uh, I'm a sharer. So I'm not sure if there's anything that no one knows, especially people who know me know me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't know I was raised a Jehovah Witness. A lot of people don't know that 
I, as when I moved to Atlanta, I was training to, to, to box and be in the Georgia Golden Glove. And I trained for like two years and I kept getting hurt. I wasn't as good as I thought I was because I was, I was still working at ENY in the county firm. I would have like busted lips, black eyes. <laughs> the time I stopped it, I, this dude ended up br- bruising my sternum. And like when I breathed deep, it, it hurt. And oh so I was God. like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so okay. that is probably a little known fact, but all the people I work with knew. Yeah. Cause they were like, are you in a fight club? Cause <laughs> <laughs> why every time you come around, you come into work, your lip right. busted, your eyes a little black. Like something's up. Like you uh, know, this you, is or, a conservative or, environment, exactly. right? Or you getting beat up at home. Like <laughs> one of the two is happening. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a, that's a little known fact. Um. Yeah. I. I do get nervous when I speak. I think I am an extrovert person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the word is extrovert or extroverted or whichever one. Mm-hmm. I I am an extrovert, but I do get nervous when I when I speak in front of like large groups of people mm-hmm. or especially in topics that I don't know a lot about mm. when you're uncomfortable and you're like, you're not really sure what you're saying, but you know that you have to come off as confident, mm-hmm. but you don't know the subject. I get really uncomfortable. How is it that you find yourself in those spaces? Well, it's my whole life, right? If you think about it, I am an accountant and now I run a tech company. Mm-hmm. I'm not technical at all. Right. But I run a computer vision, artificial intelligence company that takes pictures of inventory and we count it. And so even though we have technical people on our team that yeah. are really, really smart, yeah. I'm still the first person in this doing sales. So I'm still the first person that is, you know, talking, I might be talking to the purchaser of our services, but sometimes if that purchaser is technical or they bring along their IT team or IT person, and I might not have my IT person or team with me, then I have to at least stand on my own and like, okay, here's what we do. Okay. Here's how we do it. And they, one one time guys was like, well, what, what, um, learning, what language are you using, for example? Right. Okay. And so I was like, well, I'm not hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. And then it makes me look bad. Like, okay, you're running, you're running an AI company, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I have, have to have deep conversations with our tech team, our lead data scientist to say, Hey, we are using TensorFlow or we're using Amazon S3 buckets or Lambda functions and understand what those, what those mean and what they can do. So your question was, when does I am comfortable? Like a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uncomfortable yeah. a lot because I'm always having, and there's always going to be somebody that knows more than you that wants mm-hmm. to push the limits because there's not a lot of black guys mm-hmm. or black women in tech, in tech either. Mm-hmm. And so there's always going to be somebody who's going to push to say, I, do you really know what you're talking about? That's cool. So you're cool with being vulnerable. Yeah, I mean you have yeah. to. I think. Yeah. I, I don't, but I wasn't always. Okay. Yeah. I don't so think, when did I don't the think shift you, happen? I think you have to be. I think in this situation, I knew that starting a company, like I knew what the problem was. Okay. Right. But I did not know what the solution was, hmm. and so I had to kind of work around trying to find a solution. So that I'm like, hey, I need help. I don't know what this is. I don't really know how to work, figure this out. Okay. So saying you need help is vulnerable. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I do know a very specific problem. And I know there has to be a way to fix it, but I'm not 100% sure of how to do that. Yeah. And so going to meetings where you're saying, you're up pitching and saying, hey, here's my company. Here's what we do. And not really having a back end yet, mm-hmm. like not really having a, a full structure of how it's going to look or what the outcome will be. 
um, I think is I had to be vulnerable in that space. Yeah, you had to be vulnerable. And then you tap into that natural personality that you have. You said you're a sharer. So do you think not really knowing the space, but being a sharer helped people feel more comfortable with you when you were talking to them about your business or the spaces you're unfamiliar? Yeah, I think so. I think people are people gravitate to those that have a outgoing personality, mm -hmm. I'll say. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do have a more outgoing personality, but so I think sometimes it makes makes people feel more comfortable mm -hmm. um, at times, especially when I'm, I'm the first to say, I don't really know a lot. I'm not 100% sure about mm -hmm. how this is going to work or what the answer is mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think so. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that's one of the things that I thought was cool about you in getting to know you over the years. You are totally okay with saying, I don't know. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you will, and maybe that's part of the easing conversation because I'm definitely a person. I might not necessarily say I'm, I don't know, but I know somebody. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and using your resources, you know, in those spaces is very, you know, important to have. If you were to write a book, mm -hmm. at what point in your life would you start a book? What what place or what story would you start with to begin telling your story? Yeah, definitely, definitely how I grew up. Like definitely, and we were not a. Like we were a small town, middle class family, mother and father, I had two younger brothers. So it wasn't, and I had a, a relatively large family, right, from that small town. So my mom has six brothers and six or seven brothers and sisters. Okay. My dad has, is the youngest of six also. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a ton of cousins and families and all that kind of stuff around. Um, so it wasn't, you know, you hear, always hear these stories where black folks, man, I was struggle. I got it from the mud. I was, <laughs> <laughs> pulled it over my, my bootstraps like yeah it, it wasn't like easy easy but we yeah. had a very good ecosystem of support mm -hmm. right I think a lot of times people were like man it was just me by myself yeah I didn't have a father I didn't have a mother I didn't have that was not my situation yeah um and so I knew my I had a you know grandmother aunts uncles cousins that were all around for um to to support me yeah. so but where the book would start I it would definitely start at a young age going through like stuttering stuttering was a very hard mm -hmm. aspect to have and I, I remember like even in like first or second grade like studying going to speech class mm. and like being pulled out of class to go to speech class mm -hmm. um and just having that pro i remember one time in like fourth grade i remember like the miss baldwin i think what my teacher was in fourth grade or was it third grade and like, you know how you go around the room and everybody has to read mm -hmm. and like, like yes. one before me, everybody started laughing. Like, oh, here come Dave. <laughs> <laughs> like, let, let's get ready. We, we know, we know it's about to be a treat. This is about to be a treat. Right. <laughs> oh so God. I think things like that are, you laugh at it now, yeah. but in a in child, moment, it was like yeah. traumatizing. Yeah. Right. How and, did you, well go, you finish. Yeah. It was just traumatizing. Yeah. And so, but knowing that you have that problem and then having like, the teacher said, okay, Davis, it's, it's three o'clock, time for speech class. Mm. Like getting pulled out of speech class. Out loud. Yeah. Oh yeah, of say. course, yeah. You yeah. just know what, what time or two or whatever time uh, speech therapy class was. Mm. Yeah, so that was my, so what was your second question? How do I, how did I react? No, I was gonna say, how did you prepare for those? You knew it was coming. So yeah. eventually, or did you start to prepare or did you just, you just like, okay, I gotta do it. And, you gotta do it. I mean, yeah. it is what it is, right? It's, 
And I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I would not replace with that that I went through. Yeah. Like it was bad then, but I would not have it any other way. Yeah. Did you know that you were stuttering? Yeah. Or at what oh, point yeah. did you know you were like, oh no, like I really like I'm stuttering and people know that I'm stuttering. Like it's a No, I think it was obvious. It was not it wasn't like I'm talking and I don't know I'm stuttering, but everybody else does. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there there are things about ourselves that come out and we don't necessarily know that it's a thing until somebody else like brings it to our attention. No, uh-uh. I always knew. Okay. Yeah, I always knew. Because we went to, like we were Jehovah Witnesses, Jehovah Witnesses also. And so being a part of that, you go to church and it's a big thing for the kids to go up. It's like okay. Sunday school, go up and read a Bible verse. Or do, okay. So we've been doing that forever. Yeah. Right? And so I, I've known I was, it wasn't a secret. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, somebody said okay let's get him some help and that's a good thing because i think in our generation and our um and the way that we were raised there were a lot of things that we do di- there are a lot of things that i feel like we do different as parents that our parents didn't do right and we, we were more willing to say this is the issue and this is what we're going to do to try to right you know to fix it or work on it or whatever um and so hearing that there was somebody who was like okay we're gonna go to speech therapy or we're gonna you know instead of just kind of like he's just figure weird over there figure out. yeah no <laughs> you stuttering and no that's yeah, just what you do yeah right. so okay cool that's funny who believes in you the most it's a good question i would say my dad okay yeah my dad definitely is um has always believed like always believed that we could we could be successful human beings to be a not necessarily pillars of society but at least <laughs> accretive to society right you're gonna be somebody you're gonna be somebody right <laughs> you're gonna be somebody uh don't bring no babies don't bring no charges in this house right we gotta we gotta build on to society right i think my dad um like i said i have a i had a really good support system yeah a really really good support system um and I don't think we even looked at it like that. It was just a part of the way we grew up. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, if you don't know anything else, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, so my, my, my dad and my mom are really, really supportive. My wife is very, very supportive um, of me and the, and the things I do. And so those three people are probably That's my good. number one supporters. Is there anybody that doesn't know that they've inspired you to be in this place that you're in now? Oh, it's a ton of people. Okay. Yeah, that's a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of people that I look at and admire the things that they do, and I might not tell them. Mm. Right? Might not get a chance to tell them, or might not just might not be in a space where it's it is, or I might not know them. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of people I might not know, and I might might read their book or read. Mm-hmm the things that they went through. We're in the Russell Center. I'm in J. Russell Center now. I read, I'm reading his book now, yeah. right? And the story that he went through as a stutterer. He was also a stutterer. I was going to ask, how does it relate? Yeah, in the, in the like, what, 60s and 70s, 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, and so the things that he was able to do. And so now I look at his kids mm-hmm. or his two sons now that are, you know, in and out of this building yeah. uh, very frequently. Yeah. I look at, I look at my wife who... Has a has a 
a very roller coaster story of her bringing uh, her upbringing with her mother mm-hmm. and her, her grandmother um, just in and out of trouble mm-hmm. off, you know, on and off of drugs. Um, her, her mother and grandmother, not her. Mm-hmm. But um, and even my friend group, like, mm-hmm. you know, I look at my my four, my three or four best friends who, of course, you know them very well. But I look at what we've been able to mm-hmm like the families that we have mm-hmm. and like the kids that we have. Yeah. And I'll say all the time, like what we have is not normal. It's not. Like this is not normal. <laughs> what we do, what we do to have, yeah. you know, <clears throat> four black men and have, have married, you know, four black women. We all have healthy, relatively successful mm-hmm. um, children, relationships. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's um, so that is, I I have so many places of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to get down. Like even with a business, like even yeah. with a business, when a business is like a, it's a yeah. roller coaster ride, yeah. sometimes it's great, sometimes it sucks. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you want to cry. You got to look back. And it's like you know what? Life is not that bad. Yeah. Things could be a whole lot worse. That's a very and good so point. you have to um, think about how blessed, especially when you beat yourself up. Because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm good at beating myself up. Like we. My business should be here. We should be here. We should have this kind of car, this kind of house, or this kind of. Mm-hmm. And then you look at people who have that. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. who have those things that are still not happy, right? I was with well, my friend this weekend, uh, Friday night. Was it Friday night? Yeah, Friday night. We were just like catching up. And he just sold his company a couple years ago for about $182 million, mm. right? Um, and so has all the accoutrements. All the, <laughs> That's a good word. Uh, has all the accoutrement of, of a rich man, right? But still, like, wants, you still, you can see there's, there's doesn't have the family he necessarily wants. Mm-hmm. The, he's single mm-hmm. um, and doesn't have everything. So even you say, hey, somebody that have, mm-hmm. has everything monetarily, mm-hmm. but still doesn't have kind of, will, will look at you when they have some kind of envy. Right. Or, or, or Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're right. Like the what we have, the ecosystem between the four families is kind of sad to say it's not normal, you know, because I feel like our community needs to see more of that and feel that. And Mm -hmm. so if there was an opportunity to present that in some way, like we could put that on display, what, what do you think that would look like or how could we? do that how can we almost say you too can have this life in some yeah. sense you know right. what I mean? yeah we're all very different. and it could have been completely different yep. given everybody's story right how would you well I mean, it's almost like a sitcom it is it's almost like a sitcom it, like it's, it's, four it's surreal different. to yeah. live it it's and i think it would be surreal for somebody to hear yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost like a sitcom where you say how we met because they used to compare us to um to it's not the brothers what is the show where it was tay diggs more chestnut four brothers four it was four the movie yeah is it four brothers no four brothers is that it or just brothers i can't remember i don't remember either but it was but one of the cats was from north carolina and he moved to oh he's from the wood the wood yes Yes, the the movie yes with the movie, yes, they <laughs> the the wood. <laughs> I don't know if that's an accurate comparison. I don't know if it is either. But um, that's funny. <laughs> so, yes, I think the best way would be some kind of pictorial pictorial way to say, "Hey, this is a." Mm-hmm. But it has to be a sitcom because we are always laughing, joking, yeah. and 
Uh, of course, there's serious things that, that have happened. Yeah. From, you know, um, Peyton Ross, the only one who doesn't have his mother, um, to, you know, just other things that life will give you. Because we've known each other for, I don't know, since college. Almost, yeah, since college. So almost 25, 30, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I've known Jay about 25 years, right? That's amazing. Um, and the cool thing, too, is, you know, with the four of y'all, <clears throat> I think you attracted similar people. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. You, I mean, you know, I, able to grow, continue, you know, kind of a legacy in some ways about, you know, the black family right. or, you know, what it means to raise kids in a inner city, you know, having a village. Um, <clears throat> because even though all four of y'all are not in the same place, there are still people that have come become a part of that family that they have their own stories, but it, it makes sense. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yes. In the village, it gets bigger. I think we just attract people. Um, yes. I think the, the village definitely gets bigger and some of the people are just similar. Like there's still a lot of black families mm-hmm. that are in yeah. our circle yeah. that are, are doing relatively well. Yeah. And maybe there's a bunch of circles like that. Maybe uh, we just don't know, we right? Don't know. I mean, yeah. we're in Atlanta. I'm sure there's a several other, or probably many other people that do what we've done. Yeah. But outside of like Atlanta, Detroit, DC, <laughs> <laughs> Houston, maybe, like it's, yeah. you don't see as many. I haven't seen as many. No, but I think it's, it's also good to know there's a possibility that there's, this is happening somewhere else, but it also feels good to feel like there may not be. Oh yeah, like I said, it's not normal. You know, it's not normal. Yeah. It's, 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 it's definitely the exception, not the rule. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Okay, finish these statements. Okay. I am. It's PG, all right? <sighs> okay. <laughs> I am a father. Okay. My favorite song is. My favorite song is probably Sweetest Taboo by Sade. Good one. My why is? My family. People think I am, but I am really. People think I am not funny, but I'm really hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to. This is being recorded. Okay. I get really nervous when... Uh, I think I said it earlier when I when I am speaking about topics that I am not 100 percent comfortable with, which is probably frequently. But I think my I'm able to confidently, hopefully, conjugate a verb or two and put <laughs> put a sentence together. Conjugate a verb. Hopefully, I'm not speaking broken. Exactly. <laughs> not all ebonics that's hilarious that's awesome well thank you so much for sharing your time today i'm so glad that we had an opportunity to sit down and i could hear your story and learn some things that i didn't know and also expand on the things i didn't know so um thank you so much today's session or podcast is sponsored by bobby made this black owned business she makes clay earrings by hand each one is handmade by her it is a black owned business by a female that resides in clayton county north carolina so i'm excited that she agreed to be the sponsor today that's awesome what's it called bobby made this b-o-b-b-i-m-a-d-e-t-h-i-s and then what's the website her website is bobbymadethis.com uh, her Instagram is at Bobby Made This, spelled the same way, at B-O-B-B-I-M-A-D-E-T-H-I-S. Perfect. 
I'm gonna give me some Bobby made this earrings for, for your somebody. Wife. I love <laughs> <laughs>